of Breaking Mayberry, the show about two guys watching every episode of The Andy Griffith Show, and I think it was described to me earlier as breaking through a lot of small-town identities and pathways, as it was explained to me by our special guest, who has a better uh, understanding of our show than we do. Uh, Boy, that is so much more nuanced than what we normally say during this. Just like, two guys watching a show and having some thoughts. That is... Way more intricate than what we usually bring to the table. Uh, I am Marty Schneider. I'm Dan Ludwig. And uh, Sharon, is our, would you like to introduce yourself as our special guest? Yes, thank you all. Thank you both so much for having me on. My name is Sharon Rice. I am a licensed social worker in Pennsylvania, and I am currently a cl- clinical educator working with an organization called Women Against Abuse. And and just to say that I am here representing myself, and I'm not here in any official capacity for Women Against Abuse, um, but still a really great organization that has great resources. Yeah, we got an adult for this. <laughs> we needed a grown-up in the room. Uh, yeah. Like, and we needed somebody to compliment our shenanigans. Now, why would we bring on somebody who is a specialist about uh, abuse onto our happy-go-lucky 1960s uh, rural sitcom show? Uh, because today's episode is all about Andy dealing with domestic disturbances <laughs> and dealing with it poorly. This is Andy the Marriage Counselor, uh, season one, episode 20? No, I'm sorry, season one, episode 18. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Dan and I did not want to do... I, we were so afraid to do this episode, I and I, I went back and watched it, and now instead of being intimidated... I'm furious. Like our our main concern was this episode, while being kind of funny uh, and having a lot for us to like riff on, kind of deals with a pretty serious issue in a not at all like well handled manner. Uh, And Dan and I were kind of afraid that in making fun of this episode, we would accidentally trivialize uh, what is an important issue. So. Sharon, you're here to keep us from doing that. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, I will keep you two in line. (laughs) Before we go scene by scene, I feel like we should just sort of put the the big problem of this episode on the table. So, like, that can be sort of a central focus. Let's do it right now because I'll read the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia, as I always do. Uh, Andy the Marriage Counselor, directed by Gene Reynolds. So this is our last non-Bob Sweeney episode for a while. Uh, airs February 6, 1961, uh, written by our our good friend, the horny writer, David Adler. Who is, <laughs> oh, Adler did this? This is an Adler one, uh, who also, as we know, told oh, Joseph David. McCarthy to go fuck himself. Mm-hmm. Um, David Adler has some issues with women. We, I think it's pretty safe for us to say that by this point. Like, yeah. He, oh, God. I'm so disappointed by that writing credit. I was so <laughs> proud of him after finding out that he told McCarthy to fuck himself. And I've spent the entire day wanting to fight him. Oh, well, what can we say? David Adler contains multitudes. <laughs> uh, all right, so here uh, is... like an onion. <laughs> here's our one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. 
A couple who just moved into town are always disturbing the peace with their arguing. So Andy tries an experiment to make them act nice to each other. But it makes them snap at everyone else. <laughs> so yeah, Dan, do you want to just lay down the uh, the problem that we had before we get into the, uh, the description? Or... So we talk a lot about how most Andy Griffith episodes don't actually have a, a lesson or a moral. This one does. And the moral of the story is... When there is a domestic dispute, when when there are two people who are who are fighting like this, uh, the thing you should do is leave it alone because they they're either a happier in be in in fighting or b just working something out. So the moral of this story is keep your head down, stay out of it, and keep moving, which is such a horrifying idea in terms of, uh, of of domestic violence and domestic issues like this uh it's it's crazy to see as an explicitly laid out lesson cuz you know it's been like like a really unfortunate uh sort of sort of attitude that's pervaded our society but you always sort of think that it's like the subconscious thing not something that's been put on a PowerPoint presentation or, like, in a fucking Mother Goose nursery rhyme. <laughs> well, like, Sh- Sharon, maybe you can uh, shed some light on this. So Dan and I were talking about this last week, about whether this is just kind of like an art imitates life or life imitates art kind of thing. Because in 1961, uh, the pr- I'm assuming the prevailing idea behind, like, d- domestic violence wasn't even a term that people used. This was, like, a family issue, and that was, like, a common theme to, like, try to let them work it out? Yeah, I mean, domestic violence in and of itself, it, it existed in in the 1960s, in 1961, but sort of the pervasive attitude about it was if a wife is sort of submitting herself to her husband, she can resolve the issue by being less of a nag or having sex with her husband, and this will sort of make the issue go away. And certainly you don't see a lot of, um, models following around talking about it from you know from outside of the home like it's definitely something that was supposed to be kept quiet between the couple and really whittled down to a very basic family problem which we know now is so much more nuanced than it is and so definitely a much more serious issue than I think the episode made it seem to be what is so unique that this episode depicted a third party actually getting involved no matter how misguided or wrong Andy's like therapy attempts were like it, was that would that have been just completely unheard of that not just a third party but an actual law official would have gotten involved at all? No, I don't, I think a law official would have gotten involved, um, but the actual like taking hold of it that that whole entire depiction of how that happened is is something that I think in a small town they want to keep those things quiet. Listen, we don't need a lot of this. We're a small town, so I think the uniqueness of it is you're seeing someone get involved, but then. I think the show showing it was kind of unique, but also that's it wasn't very common. I think secretive and keeping it in the family was something that was more common in the 60s. I, I feel like this, this episode really is sort of uh, amplifying common attitudes of the time. Something that really horrified me about it is if just one like 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 kid watched this in the 60s, internalized the lesson of this episode went on to their to their day-to-day life and then he- sort of heard a domestic disturbance or domestic violence happening as they walked past a house uh the Andy Griffith show would be in his ear saying 
oh, you know, if you get involved, you'll just make it worse. You'll, uh, you'll just stir up a hornet's nest and make it bad for more people. Just keep walking. So this is a lesson from the Andy Griffith show that has done real world damage. It has, this has uh, impact just beyond the, the, any, any sort of the stuff we've, we, we've been upset with in the past. This is the most real. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think the juxtaposition of the fight between the couple and then Andy sort of going and talking to the two young boys and telling them to be nice to each other, you're sort of diminishing the magnitude and the impact of domestic violence in and of itself. And you're saying, oh, it's very much like two kids fighting and we can just talk about getting along with one another and that sort of being the, the, the issue that, that would resolve it or the way to resolve it. It's just be nice and, and then we all can go back to our lives. And as long as the community isn't being disturbed, then everything will be okay. It's actually really that, funny to me how uh, how Andy's approach, like, his question is, why can't you just get along? You know, not like, not like, why can't you act like a married couple? Why can't you love, it's it's like these two are roommates yeah. uh, that are having yeah. a problem. Yeah. He ignores the whole thing that you are married to each other at so like, at some point you've decided to get married for some reason. Just kind of glosses over that entirely. It makes me think of that, uh, it's like, it's like a long-standing old-time joke. That marriage is awful, and <laughs> you should husband and wives should definitely hate each. It's like uh, I'll mention the comic strip, The Lockhorns. Mm, yes, someone yeah. familiar with the, you're both familiar with the Lockhorns. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nathan Rabin just wrote a big article about it a couple weeks ago about how it's just like almost refreshing to see that level of just pure unadulterated hatred on the comic pages. And I'll admit, I like the Lockhorns. It's made me laugh a few times because that's a comic strip. Uh, if you don't know what the yeah. Lockhorns is, it's, I mean, you've probably picked it up from Context Clues. It's a daily comic strip about just two, a couple that, an old couple that is, like, they look like little, like, smurf, like, like hobbit people. They're drawn just horribly disfigured. And sure. they hate each other. And they just, like, yell at each other over the dinner table or, like, get digs in on each other. It's, it's like a weird level of meanness for the funny pages. It's actually yeah. very surprising to see it. It's kind of uh, like Archie I mean, Bunker for the comic books comic strip. It was like kind of like that, but a little less lovingness from either. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and also not and, like. And we talked about Archie Bunker before, right? Archie Bunker is supposed to be the bad guy. Like right. you're supposed to think Archie Bunker's wrong. Dan, as recently as like like it was the the most like one of the hacky '90s comedian routines of like oh, I'm in a marriage. My wife hates me. I hate being being married. We're both completely miserable. Let me just talk about how horrible my marriage is for this one hour set. And it, it, it was sort of like it, it, that recently divorce is just completely not an option. Just you're you're miserable in a, in a marriage with this person. You have and it's completely outside the realm of possibility to try to fix it or just get divorced. Like you 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 just sort of are in this situation and everyone is resigned to I hate this person I'm married to. We're both miserable. We're just going to be miserable forever. Yeah, there's this weird idea that marriage is just a miserable institution. And you see it like any any bachelor party you go to. Yeah. It's just like, game over, man. Sucks for you. <laughs> and we're past... You, you choose... No one's making you get married. You choose to do that for the most part. I mean, we've had already... We've already seen in this show the equivalent of divorce at this time, which was fake your death. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> say you got hit by a car, disappear, uh, and then come back years later to see your tombstone. That was the 1960s equivalent of divorce. I, I think. I, uh, should we? Should let's we, let's do the episode. Should we start let's, it now. Let's do the yeah, episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Our episode begins, uh, fade in on the courthouse where Barney is very enthusiastically reading a book on judo and some, I'm going to say mildly racist music is playing in the background. Uh, they get, they come right out the gate with some racism. They set the tone nice and early. It's It's not, it's not quite like do, 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 but it is close. Like if, if someone had given Earl Hagen a gong, we would have been in trouble. It is hard to tell how much of this scene is making fun of the concept of judo or making fun of Barney for being very bad at judo or making fun of Barney for entertaining the concept of learning a martial art. Like, Barney is established to try judo, have absolutely no ability to defend himself. He he has Andy lunge at him with a knife and then tries to do judo and accidentally chokes himself out with Andy's arm. Uh... And, he, like, they show him, like, practicing judo, and he's just sort of, like, frantically slapping at air and doing nothing even remotely close to fighting. And I, the entire time I was trying to figure out, like, are they saying that this is what judo looks like and Barney is doing it correctly? Or is this just a joke about how incompetent Barney is at moving his terrible body? I think if you have to ask, the default should be Barney's incompetent. <laughs> I, I think that should be the Occam's razor of this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Fife's razor. Nice. The Fife's Bullet. I'm going to go with that one. Uh, so so Barney is learning judo from a book. He challenges Andy uh, to do some moves on him so that he can show off. One of our listeners on Twitter pointed out that both Andy Griffith and Don Knotts both came from vaudeville. Uh, and I think that explains a lot of like some of the scenes, the shtick that we've seen so far. Because this is like very much them doing a bit that goes on forever. The bit goes pretty much as well as you can imagine. Andy, or... Barney keeps getting Andy to do different things, and he keeps failing. At one point in time, like, it gets, I think it's a little sinister, because it really looks like Andy could hurt Barney if he wanted to. He's a much bigger dude. One thing that really pissed me off is Barney, Barney, like, presents the idea, like, I should learn a martial art so I can defend myself in hand-to-hand combat. And Andy's like, why would you want to do that? And I just wanted to scream, like, because his only recourse is to shoot someone. And, And Barney, like, 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 Puts back the thing of like, well, what are you going to do if you don't have your gun, which Andy never does, and someone comes at you with a knife? And Andy's thing is, I would run away. What? That's really your immediate go-to? Police officer is to run away so that this crazed knife-wielding man can just start going on a spree down Main Street? There should be a happy medium between running away and shooting someone. (laughs) And Barney's actually suggesting that. And Andy's making fun of it because it sounds foreign to him. Yeah, fuck you, Andy. <laughs> fuck yeah, you. It reminds me of the thing. Anytime there's a police shooting, or, or like during like a bunch of police shootings, the cop's explanation is always like, well, this uh, this 120-pound teenager got within arm's reach of me, so I had to shoot him because he was about to beat me to death. And it's like, you, you are a police officer, and you can't handle like a physical attack from a teenager because you are like... Tw- like 60 pounds overweight like Dan, this Dan, is why Daniel, anytime i daniel a poli- I, yeah. i'm gonna remind you we have not even gotten to the plot of the episode yet please <laughs> i'm, I'm please already reserve mad. your rage <laughs> it, there's, it's bottomless so don't worry uh, 
Sharon, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that, like, the opening of the whole episode sort of introduces this foreign concept into this small town, right? This this idea that there is this some wacky kind of, you know, style of fighting that doesn't really exist in the small town. And it's like, why would you want to have this here? Where does this have a place in this small life? And I think it's setting up this idea that anything kind of foreign outside of the, the, the peace and tranquility of Mayberry is just automatically something we need to get rid of and we need to do it with kindness <clears throat> and questioning it and seeing whether or not it actually fits in, which I think when you get into the plot really kind of plays into the way that they react to this domestic disturbance later on in the episode. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, let's, let's get to the plot because the plot comes in in a phone call. The plot comes in in a freight train. Like, the plot kicks its way onto scene one. It's like, this is what's happening now! Like, just a, a bullet train of exposition. So Barney takes the uh, takes a phone call from a neighbor of this couple, the Boones. Uh, their names are uh, Fred and Jeannie Boone. Not Jeannie, Fred and Jenny Boone. Uh, played by Jesse White and Claudia Breyer. Also, some fun trivia from our ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki. Jesse White, best known for being the original Maytag repairman for the Maytag commercials. Uh, and I wanted to be... This is some pretty weird... That, like, was he the Maytag guy before or after this? Because either, A, he was like, I want to take my nice, wholesome, uh, like, profile as a, uh, uh, as, as a, like, washing machine repairman... And then just veer that right into domestic abuse. Or B, someone like watched this show and was like, oh yeah, that guy calling his wife a fat cow is really who we want to represent our brand. It's entirely possible that like you could have cut away from this and seen him in the Maytag commercial. Like, that's entirely, <laughs> if you were watching this in 1961, that would have been some weird cognitive dissonance. Uh, <laughs> Hi, you might recognize me from screaming at my wife. Let me sell you a, <laughs> some appliances. <laughs> all right so they're called to the scene because the boone's neighbor called them uh because they're having a fight and apparently this is a regular occurrence now i want to point out they keep saying ever since you two moved here okay. ever since you folk came here you can't get you can't get along so again it's people from the outside world are having the problem nobody raised in mayberry would ever have a problem because everybody gets along in Mayberry. Right. These two outsiders came and they've disturbed something. Yeah, our piece is disturbed, so we need to fix this problem and them. Right. Yeah. There's a somewhat sinister line of, uh, it sounds like they're going to kill each other. And one of the guys, one of the other guys says, oh, I wish they would. Then maybe we'd get a little bit of peace and quiet. Like it's a little, it, it sort of immediately shows where the, the episode's priorities are of like, they, no one really cares about Fred and Jenny. Uh, they just care about normalcy, about peace and quiet, and everything just sort of being smooth and, and clean and quiet. So Andy and Barney arrive on the scene of the disturbance. And let's be clear here. These two are throwing shit at each other. This is not just an argument. There is They, they make a joke about plates flying, and you think it's a joke until plates actually go flying. Uh, Jenny is like looking at a mug, uh, holding a mug like a like a sh shot put, basically about to go at her husband's head. Uh, Barney tells her to put it down, and she throws it down with such force that it kind of breaks Barney's toe. Yeah. So this is not just a a, a, a disturbance. This is not just an argument. It's a thing. 
It's a thing. It's and definitely a thing. Both of their abil- capacities for violence are treated as completely equal. Fred and, and Jenny are, are treated as equally dangerous, even though Fred is, I don't know, like what, 60 pounds on Jenny? He's a big guy. Yeah, but um, she's armed with a mug, Dan. She could hit yeah. him with a porcelain <laughs> mug. Oh, God, nature's most dangerous weapon, a small mug, and she's treated, it's, like, they're, they're both treated as equally dangerous, like. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah. I mean, the episode for sure sets up this idea, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, though, when they walk into the house, right? Like, who really was the aggressive person? And I think when you're talking about domestic violence, when you're talking about intimate partner violence, it's sort of quick a quick shot of, okay, well, the man is always a person that's being aggressive. And then the woman's always the victim. When, when in fact, we also do find nowadays, now it's not so much that wasn't happening in the 60s, that women also abuse. And so I just want to like make that point because sometimes you can look at the situation and say, just because someone's stronger that they or physically, that they can withstand the effect of abuse. And, and really, like the, the, the more serious issue there is trauma in and of itself can really break down even the strongest person, even, that, even if they're physically stronger than the other individual. That mental stress, the the emotional stress is really, really kind of, it's just simply not, it's completely glossed over, like who was aggressing on whom and who had that break. And so to see both of them sort of going at it, looking at it from that perspective, it's clearly an unhealthy situation for sure. Um, but kind of difficult to say who was the actual aggressive person. Both people really needed to kind of be away from one another. It wasn't a safe environment for either of them because no one should be throwing anything at anybody, really. Really rather progressive in their portrayal <laughs> of, a, right, right. of a couple screaming and throwing stuff at each other. <laughs> See, I was, I was like, looking at it as, like, some the show doing, like, some both sides-ism, like, like sort of... Which oh, it definitely a, has done before. Yeah, like, there's a domestic dispute. Who's to say who the aggressor is? Like, sort of, like, almost... I, I, I sort of took it as like muddying the waters on um uh on domestic abuse, but I guess maybe is it Well in, in, it... in order for the rest of this show to work, you can't have a bad guy, right? The rest of this episode hmm. doesn't work if you if you can point at someone and say they're the bad guy. Right. So let's let's go so what happens here, um Barney and Andy both yell at them, essentially. Andy kind of tells them off, says, I, I could bring you in right now if I wanted to. But I'm not because I'm Andy Griffith and I very rarely actually do my job. Uh, <laughs> and, and he says, next time this happens, I will run you in. Uh, so there better not be a next time. And this is a part that I think has kind of like bothered me and it's played for laughs. After they go, okay, Andy, we won't fight anymore. Then it's just like uh, Fred says, like, Andy, you and I should go do some fishing together. And Andy's like, yeah, we should go do fishing. And Jenny says, how's Aunt B? Oh, she's doing great. Like, immediately, as quickly as uh, Jenny dropped that cup, they just kind of dropped the uh, the issue. And we're shown that they are very clearly capable of pretending to be nice. And this is kind of a thing, right? right? They're nice to other people and horrible to each other. That tends to be the, or that's what the presentation is. But it's just, it's so very weird how Andy just goes along with it. He's just like, yeah, let's go fishing. Oh, Aunt B's fine. Well... Bye, don't kill each other. Later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little it's a little crazy. It was a little crazy, I would say. I mean, it sort of resolved itself rather quickly and never once did anyone ask, well, what happened? How did this even start? It's like they don't care. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in the next scene, Andy even says, I'm going to figure out what started this argument. 
and then he doesn't ask what started this <laughs> argument. That's because no one does care. They absolutely don't give anything in the area code of a shit. Like... <laughs> They don't. They they don't care. They just want them to stop. They don't care about like the underlying causes or actually like resolving the deeper like emotional or mental issues that are causing these. They just want there to stop being noise after five p.m. And again, to be fair, that wouldn't be funny. Or maybe it would. I don't know if you could do like a really fun. You could probably do a relationship therapy half hour comedy. I'm looking at someone who pro- who does it for a living. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I think you could. I think there's a way. I don't know if I know how to make it funny, but I think there's a way to sort of like tease out some of the some of the stuff to make it a little bit more entertaining. But yeah, that that show wouldn't work if there was a clear indication that domestic violence was actually happening. So, no one wants to address it face head head on. So the next scene, uh, Barney and Andy leave. We fade to black, and then we fade back up on the very next day. Barney is leading. Fred and Jenny into the courthouse because the warning didn't matter. They were fighting over breakfast the very next day. Uh, And Andy is conflicted. Uh, Barney, of course, because he's Barney, suggests you should lock him up and throw away the key. And Andy says that won't do any good. As soon as they get out, they're going to fight again. So props to Andy for considering rehabilitation, (laughs) I guess. Some weird wokeness always mixed in with this show. Like... Just every now and then, a good idea will suddenly pop up in the shittiest Andy Griffith episode and just say, like, like incarceration doesn't solve anything. All right, back to the fucked up part. Like, <laughs> Andy says that he's going to try to solve their problem. And uh, Sharon, would you like to describe how Andy decides to solve this problem? Yeah, Andy, Andy decides that if he tells them to be nice to each other, then they will just get over everything. So it's kind of like talking to kids, you know, just be nice to your siblings, love each other, and that'll be that'll make everything well. It's and, not really the best technique. And he tries to train them, right? right. He he gets them like, and, and like, like like dogs, basically. He yeah. sits them down and yeah, says... Yeah, like dogs! Says, like, okay, Fred, now you try saying, good morning. <laughs> and Jenny, you try saying, hello, dear. And like some shit like that. And, like, they, tr- they do mean, this through repetition, which I'm going to guess is not a uh, a licensed therapy technique. No, I, I wouldn't is say... Is this anywhere in the neighborhood of a good idea? Like, is this anywhere close to something that could even, like, vaguely work? I'm going to concretely say no. <laughs> I'm just going to say a solid no. I, no therapist would ever tell a couple who's been arguing and fighting to that level, just be nice and then give them statements to you. That it's, you, don't, you don't use a Pavlovian technique to help people overcome their relationship issues. That's just not effective. It's like telling kids who are being bullied, well, just be nice to your bully. And then maybe he or she will stop doing that because that's what happens if you're just nice to them. You know, I think it takes time, you know, for that kind of behavior to come apply, come about. But you wouldn't do that day one. <laughs> he tries to my fair lady this shit is exactly <laughs> what he does. It's a, it's a, absolutely a, a Henry Higgins, like, rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane kind of deal. He, he basically coaches them. Like, now you say, hello. And you say, good morning. And you say, I love you. That doesn't actually happen. Yeah, no, uh, right. That, no, that, I mean, that phrase never comes no, up. No, it doesn't. Um, he never works. says, like, if if we make them be nice to each other, they'll internalize it and start liking each other. He says, like, if we make them be nice to each other every day, muscle memory will eventually take over, <laughs> and they'll just become, like, zombies of kindness. Like, 
They'll just hate each other deep down in their souls, but they'll be trapped in these bodies that have to be kind to each other. I mean, it's very 1960s, though, right? Like, the sort of idea that if you make everything very cookie-cutter... And you can kind of get back to things as they are and then push all of the bad stuff inside the house. We don't have time to really see that. So let's go inside it, the house. It's a smidge brainwashy. Like, it's it's a little bit like how you would, I feel like how you would program someone in a cult. <laughs> so it's, it feels very much like that. So let's go inside the house. Because the next scene we have is Andy and Aunt B inside of their house. And Aunt B is praising Andy's brilliance. Saying that most things are a matter of habit. And if you can just get them in the habit of being nice to each other, then everything will be okay. And again, like, maybe this is my 2018 sensibility. You should be a little more than nice to your spouse. Yeah. You should actually, like, like your spouse a little bit. Start there. But the sight of your spouse shouldn't fill you with disgust and rage. (laughs) Like... You shouldn't immediately wake up, look at your spouse, and as Fred says, immediately say, ugh. Like, <laughs> that, that, is, that is a pretty good joke, I will say. That's a Lockhorn quality joke when Andy says, when you sat down at breakfast this morning, what did you say? And Fred says, I said the first thing I always say. Yeah. <laughs> this episode a, might be a, a good horrifying joke. indictment of the Lockhorns. It's <laughs> a good joke. I like what is this I, comic strip that we've been tolerating for so long? <laughs> then Andy hears from the next room some yelling, some some roughhousing, and it's Opie and his friend Billy, who we've never seen before and we'll probably never see again. Uh, and like Opie, the savage that he is, has <laughs> Billy like in a headlock. He's about to pile drive him onto the Davenport. He's just, just brought like, a boy over to beat the shit out of. Like, <laughs> like he's just doing basically like a wrestling match in the living room. And Andy isn't like, like Andy doesn't come in and, and be like, "Hey, why are you? Why do you want to fight your uh, your friend?" He just comes in and be like, "All right, all right, shut the fuck up." <laughs> like, like I'm trying to get verbal praise heaped on me by Aunt B, and you're ruining it with your violence. What do I have to do to, to make you be quiet? So Andy Andy says that uh, if Opie and Billy can't play nice and they can't get along, then maybe Billy shouldn't just come over anymore. Uh, which is something I think, I think I remember my parents saying, right? Like, yep. that's definitely a standard parent thing. And then Aunt B gets in there and hints like, hey, hey, that thing you did earlier, do it now. Do it, Andy. Like, appears like a little shoulder devil to him. Uh, normally I think Aunt B is the shoulder angel and Barney's the shoulder devil, but in this case, B is definitely, like, taking that role. And so- Brainwash your child, Andy. <laughs> you pa- use Pavlovian conditioning to train your child like an animal. So Andy then resorts to what I think, like, many, many parents have, have resorted to. I'm not gonna, like, fault anyone for this. Bribery! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He basically tells both the kids, if you shut up, if you play nicely, I'll give you each a nickel. And Billy, look, look, we have made fun of Ron Howard for screaming so many times on this show. (laughs) Billy is so much worse. He has two lines and they're basically just like hollow yelling. We can do whatever we want! (laughs) Were child actors terrible back then? Or was this an extremely accurate representation of old-timey children? (laughs) That just, like, these tiny walking loudspeakers were just 
patrolling. Maybe that's why you didn't really have to pay close attention to your children, because they were constantly blasting noise within a six-block radius. In fairness- So you always kind of knew where they were, because you could hear them echoing off the houses. In fairness, kids are loud. Yeah. If anything, this is more accurate than anything else. <laughs> it's more accurate than any television show today, where, like, kids are reciting, like, the works of, of Chaucer, and, <laughs> and just, like- very well behaved, unless it's like in the script for them to be little rascals and deep. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the fuck they're going with that. <laughs> Stupid kids in every TV show now talk like normal kids. <laughs> so, anyway, you you mentioned this earlier, Sharon. You said that uh, that's the comparison they're drawing. Is these two grown adults who are married are just like these like little boys yeah. who have co- not cognitively developed, who are fighting. And even the methodology, right? Because it doesn't it doesn't connect that well. Yeah. He doesn't bribe Jeannie. And he doesn't bribe Fred and Jenny. No, he it, doesn't. He just like, trains them. I guess he threatens them. Like, yeah. He threatens them with jail time and at one point a gun. Barney, being fucking Barney, offers to, to get Fred to say, Good morning, dear. Offers to hold a gun up to Fred's head like it's the fucking deer hunter. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's like, how about if, and just like, he doesn't like, like, like Barney will often when, when offering to break out his gun, just like pat his holster. The gun is out and it is an inch from Fred's head. And he's like, so how, here's a thought. Uh, I'm just spitballing here. What if I load a pistol and point it at this man's skull? Everybody in Mayberry is really just chill with having guns pointed at their head. They're chill with being shot at. Like, this is. I guess because their only lawman is Andy Taylor, and he doesn't do shit. Like, it, it, it's it's there's more gun violence here than fucking Compton. Like, it's, <laughs> it's make peace with bullets flying at you or go insane. That's the rule of Mayberry. All right, so the next scene, uh, we're doing more training, right? Like more morning, dear. Hello, honey. And they've moved on to like a couple of other key phrases, uh, and you know, uh, Barney does the. Basically gives his, like, I think they've got it! By Jove, I think they've got it! <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, and they sing a little song, but they don't sing a song. But in they, spirit... They, they, in a way, they do sing a little song. But then we kind of, like, fade to a poker game that uh, Fred's at. And classic displacement theory. <laughs> I can actually use some terms from my grad <laughs> All degree. All right. Yeah. Uh, Fred, now Ooh. having this, like, rage that he can't direct at his wife, is now taking it out on everyone else. So he's being belligerent and angry at everyone else at his poker game. But when his wife comes in, when Jenny comes in, he starts to get mad and goes, thank you, honey. <laughs> thank you. And so they're very sweet and stepford wives like to each other. And he's just, like, boiling with wrath over his poker buddies. Yeah. He's not actually playing poker. They're playing hearts, which makes it so much funnier that he's, like, exploding with violent rage. Because he's not like, like, all right, deal the next poker hand. He's like, are we playing hearts or are you playing tiddlywinks over here? Like, that's, You're right. You're right. Like, I've gotten mad at poker games, but hearts? Like, <laughs> like yeah. Like, I, I thought this was a game of go fish, but apparently we're just fucking around out here. Old maid, more like old dick. I don't <laughs> know where I'm going with that. 
Well, it's, it's true. They're basically fucking playing Uno at this point. They much more playing. That's, that's a bad example. I've gotten into fights over Uno. That well, is a wait, bullshit. Uno is, is real. Uno is real. The fights are real in yeah. Uno. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they're normally with, like, your 12-year-old yeah. nephew who does six fucking reverses on you in a row. And looks you dead in the eye while doing it. Just, like, yeah. Just, like, stares you down and just puts it down. <laughs> so, like, what you what? got? <laughs> I want what? you to remember my fucking name. Who knows? Heartless. All right, all right. Um, God, what's what's the yeah, next scene? Dan shared if blown up during Uno, it would have been completely justified. It would have been like, okay, yeah, well, that's. I mean, that's fair. This is Uno. It's this is a game of war. No, war's a different game, Dan. <laughs> Damn it. War war is actually less violent than Uno. <laughs> it surprisingly is. War's a pretty peaceful peaceful game. game. It's, it's ironically peaceful. <laughs> War is the nap of board games. <laughs> uh, all right, so what what happens next? Dan, Sharon, do you guys remember what happens next? Doesn't it go back to Jenny? She's at like a tea party or something, or there's some interaction with her and her friends. I, I feel like we're never shown, unless I'm wrong, we're never shown Dude, Jenny's yeah, outburst. Jenny is off screen. Jenny yeah. is off screen. It immediately We're told about to Jenny's Andy. outburst. Right, so like Jenny yeah. becomes like the, so again, it's kind of like, the woman sort of becomes a backdrop in the story, right? She's, but she, you know, her her role is even even in the fight, she's kind of diminished a little bit. I wonder if it's, That's it's such a, a major thing on this show because Ellie, one of the main characters, has major periods of like character development that just happen in the background. She'll like show up and be like, "Hey, just I, this wasn't on camera, but I had like three scenes of character development right now. I'm just here with the lesson I learned, uh, like." Just actual character arcs just happen off screen for female characters. I wonder if it was a thing like it's more okay to show this guy getting mad at his his buddies, but it would have been less okay to show this woman getting mad at her sewing circle or whatever. I wonder if it's just like if a gender standard If you showed Jenny thing. being mean, it would have prompted like angry calls to the network. Like, but we- uh... A woman raised her voice on my television, and my children are traumatized now. How am I supposed to explain this to them? But we are told about this. And, uh, yeah, the next scene is Andy's at home, kind of like basking in his victory or whatever. Uh, and somebody walks in. One of uh, Fred's buddies walks in, like, with a bloody nose. <laughs> just yeah. like, To report an assault that the sheriff will do nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Andy responds to this bleeding man like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, this is, oh, no, what? This is mildly inconvenient to everyone involved, right? You're all as disappointed as I am. Yeah, yeah. So Don't he... bother trying to report a crime. I'm already out the door. <laughs> and uh, Aunt B tells us that... Uh... That Jenny got, like, yelled at a tea party or something like that. Yeah, we're told that she's yelling. We're told that she's doing some things that are out of character for her or a woman, whatever. Right. Yeah. There's actually a pretty good bit uh, in which the first guy comes in and he says, like, oh, he, he busted me in the face. I just barely managed to get out of there before he threw an entire glass pitcher at me. And then the next guy comes in and be like, well, what are you in here for? And he's like, he threw the pitcher, like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That, that guy is soaking wet. It's pretty funny. So, like, as soon as he walks yeah. in, you know what happened. That's a good setup. I enjoy that bit. Uh, again, a little vaudeville-esque. Um, and so, some vaudeville domestic violence. 
Well, not really domestic violence. Some vaudeville violence. Now, once again, we get another moment where Andy feels like he taught his child the wrong lesson. Uh, Opie walks down the stairs wearing, I gotta say, just a bitchin' pinstripe robe. And, like, <laughs> and like polka dot pajamas. Like, he's got a... He's got a look going on. Yeah, it was pretty stylish. It rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did kids have robes back then? It's awesome. <laughs> so, did, did you take your six-year-old robe shopping? <laughs> it really... I like he's wearing the robe under on top of his pajamas. That's my favorite part. Is it cold in Mayberry? What is going on here, man? Um, no, no, no. You just need your child to look fly as fuck during bedtime. That's all this is. What, is he supposed to be walking around in just pajamas like an asshole? <laughs> Andy asks, why aren't you playing with your friend Billy? And I feel like the answer should be obvious because it's fucking bedtime, dude. Like, I'm clearly getting ready to go to sleep. Uh, but he says something like, Billy hasn't been around lately. What's going on? And... and why isn't Billy here for your your weekly night wrestle? <laughs> and Opie explains that even though like they would have gotten nickels for playing nice, Billy doesn't want to play nice over here for a nickel anymore. He'd rather play good games at someone else's house for free. Uh, Billy's a scab. Um, <laughs> good, good games like fist fighting. Like, <laughs> Billy, like, they weren't playing games. They were just like... Like kneeing each other in the face. Dan, you were a you were a young boy. Like <laughs> from like ages eight to about nineteen, that's what passes for a game for men. We you know this. Like <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But normally we like tried to like like put something else on it. Like it was either like we were pretending to be fictitious characters or it was backyard football. Have you like, never played Knuckles thin- or Quarters? Like there are games just dedicated to boys punching each other's hands as hard as they possibly. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the game where, I like, where if you I've did the never okay heard of quarters in my life? Isn't that a dr- that's a drinking game? I feel like I just entered into a realm I know nothing about. Do you, do you remember the like the like bit where, like if you did the okay symbol but you held it below your waist like and you got someone to look, you got to punch them. Wow, that was a game on my playground. <laughs> wow, um, that's an interesting playground. Yeah, yeah, from the mean streets of Oregon. <laughs> God damn! Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, I I am from Massachusetts. We are a we are a gentler people up there. Like horseshit, you are. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, in no way, true. Sharon, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts about young boy violence? <laughs> I mean, care to weigh in? I, I'm I'm not going to support it. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. I think these games need to be altered just a little. Maybe we should have you all playing War instead of Uno, and then you wouldn't lead <laughs> to Knuckles and other punching in the face games. I don't know. I'm just thinking riding no, bikes no, no, might no. be war, fun. Or War was an entirely soccer. different field of violence. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, all you're going to do is make card games more violent. <laughs> you don't yeah. understand from... As soon as, like, puberty starts to come, we're just horny and angry, and we don't know what to do. Like, there's just... Yeah. There's no outlet for us. I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> it's sorry. It's horny and angry, and then horny turns into angry, so you, you're just double angry then. It's a whole mess. There's a lot of shit that goes on when you're a young boy. Yeah, there's not yeah. enough DIY crafts for that, I don't think. Uh, yeah. uh, 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's not like being a prepubescent girl, it's, which is easy. It's so easy. You talk about it's so easy. It's a piece Just of cake. One long, total it's piece like of going cake. on a cruise. Yeah, it is. It is. That's what you know. We all we all have the pillow fights, and we just giggle with each other and do each other's hair, and that's all that happens. That's it. <laughs> that's, okay? that's, that's it. That's, that's it. puberty the end. for you, right? That's puberty. I just described the entire female gender. All of us. We all just hang out playing with glitter. Ta-da! <laughs> Just like, just like, oh, I'm a woman now? Oh, awesome. that went so quickly. Yeah. I hardly yeah. noticed. The rest of my life will definitely be much easier. Totally easy. Okay. <laughs> no harassment's going to happen. You know, birds land on our shoulders and they talk to us. We get them to clean things. You know, that's what happens. That's what we do. Yep. 10 to 19 just flew by. <laughs> I didn't easy. notice that at all. No. What the hell were we talking about? I have about? no idea. We are way off topic. All right, boy fight. Boy fight! Boy fight! <laughs> um, yeah, so so Billy doesn't want to play, and Andy realizes, oh, wait, maybe my bribery didn't work. And the lesson Andy takes from this is, huh, I guess everybody's just fine the way they are. Oh, Everybody has their... And maybe... The way that you and your your friend show that you like each other is by fighting. So maybe that's true of these adults as well. That's they show they love each other by <laughs> screaming and yelling at each other, which is a huge leap in logic, right? Like I don't, don't learn even, lessons about human nature from small boys. Their brains are tiny and shitty. Like they have, they're they don't know anything yet. Why would you look at a small boy and be like, okay, well I can take this and extrapolate it to. Full-grown adults. Even the like, internal logic of the show doesn't make sense, because they were in different situations entirely. Completely. Like, I don't understand how Andy got to this logic. Like, what I would have figured is that, like, oh, it sounds like Fred really has some anger issues. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how he can... They're not comparable at all. But in Andy's brain... The most realistic the thing is that Andy was looking at this inconvenient situation. He looked at... Fred and uh, and Jenny starting to be abusive externally, and he was like, "All right, how the fuck can I get out of this and, and justify it in any way?" Oh, oh, this thing with Opie. All right, all right. I'm just going to draw a tortured comparison to it, and that's going to justify me to undo all of my work and just sort of abdicate any responsibility whatsoever. Like, like clearly, I made a mistake in trying to fix anything. As demonstrated by these two violent boys. So, <laughs> it, again, it's, it's this weird, like, Andy Griffith commonality where it's just like, everybody's fine the way they are, and you don't need to change your behavior in any way, shape, or form. And if anyone not, tries not, to make you change, you they're wrong. You don't need to change. How dare you try to change? Like, how, like, they, I, I feel like this episode is almost taking the I, the concepts of, like, therapy and social work and trying to improve people and entertaining them for, like, a brief moment, and then just, like, smacking them down and being like, how fucking dare you? Like, leave people alone. Don't you dare try to fix problems. Uh, Sharon, how does that make you feel as, like, as a social worker, that, that this kind of the take of, like, the basis philosophy of your entire work? Yeah, I mean, it really diminishes. It just, it, the episode diminished the issue. It diminished the work. It diminishes counseling. It, it really just sort of looks at it like we can just sort of talk a little bit about this thing. We'll try some sort of repetitive counseling technique, if you can call it that. I'm doing counseling with the rabbit ears right now. And then, you know, and then if it's if it doesn't work, oh, well, just, just erase it. Never mind. Just kidding. I was just kidding. 
if I could have done that when I worked in child welfare and just said, oh, you know, I was wrong, just go back to what you were doing, it would have made the hours and hours and hours that you spend working with families and, and couples so much easier because it, it would have just been one, maybe 10 minutes of work. But it, it does, it really does diminish the level and amount of work that professionals do to really help mitigate the um, impact of trauma throughout a person's lifespan, which is pretty palpable and pretty pervasive. Do you think that this mm -hmm. was the prevailing like idea or the prevailing perception of this kind of work at the time? I think so. I mean, the, the social work career in and of itself has gone through a number of changes, you know, since it started from being sort of this friendly helper, um, focusing on like immigrant and refugee, refugees who came into cities and really trying to professionalize the work. And so just kind of look at a show sort of diminishing a work work that has used where people used to get paid, be paid $19,000 a year. And that was considered high, you know, and to go to now knowing people are still being paid less and not nearly enough to compare it to the work metal work that we do. It's a little heartbreaking. I will say, I mean, I think watching any sitcom that just says, well, we can just sort of talk about it and we can high five at the end. And that's all that's, that is when, I think people really just don't understand the nuances that social workers have to get into and then the impact that it has on families and especially children as well. Which is not exclusive to the Andy Griffith show at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a so pretty common I, trope. Right. Like, like that's uh, like, like full house is guilty of this. Yes. Where like, like complex issues are just one, like, like five minute conversation away from being resolved. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I work with families and, or, you know, throughout my career, when I did direct service work, I definitely would tell families, like, this is not going to be a sitcom uh, ending. We are not going to get this resolved in 30 minutes. So you can just erase all of the things that you've been taught over all your life. And just, we're going to start from the ground up and just go from there. So let's go. I mean, yeah, Dan, go ahead. The, the show sort of feels like it has the, uh, the attitude of like, they did step one. They <laughs> got them to start being nice. Uh, and then step all the other ones are figure out why they're mean to each other, figure out what the deep-seated issues are here. And rather than do all those steps, as soon as step one didn't immediately fix it, the Andy Griffith show just goes, well, fuck this. Let's just go back to, like, the initial problem. At least that was convenient. Yeah, and that's so scary because I will say that is the one part where I did feel sort of the rage kick up because... The process of healing, the process of whatever decision that the, the couple is making, whether they're going to leave and separate or whatever the case may be, I mean, it is in fact a process. And so to whittle it down to, oh, we tried and we're just going to keep going because we're, we're, we're a small town. That's a little bit, that was a little hard to swallow, a little hard to watch. So let's get to the conclusion here, which is that Andy goes back to the Boone's house and they are uh, doing as instructed. They are playing or playing nice. Uh, and Andy picks a fight for them. He kind of coaches them and gives them, like, phrases. Uh, and this is played for last, but he, like, pokes at them and gets them... So fucking disturbing. Yeah, he, he actually, like, they're struggling to come up with insults, so he feeds them insults to give to each other. Uh, and once he's got them good and riled up and fighting again, he's just like, well, my work here is done. <laughs> and then he slips out the back door, like, like nothing ever happened. It's one of the most twisted scenes I've seen in recent memory. Like it's, he, he takes this couple that is being at, at the very, like super superficially nice to each other, but nice nonetheless. And he, 
he puts words in each other's mouths until they're like they're at each other's throats and at the point of like physical violence again. Let's not and he forget just, like, walks away smiling. Let's not forget that uh, Andy Taylor is a master of emotional manipulation. Like we've <laughs> that's the common theme we've seen this entire show. It's like it's like he got his practice in on manipulating Barney and now he's after like harder targets. <laughs> he's a master con man. That's we've figured it out. Uh, and then yeah. the final like epilogue for this, once he's got Everyone's good and fighting again. Like, back to normal. We go back to Barney, uh, this time wearing, like, a full karate outfit. Yeah. Again, the vaguely racist music plays. Uh, and, um... I don't even fucking remember what Barney does. He, like, he just tries to do judo again, and yeah, it's bad. It's, it's it doesn't really work, and it's kind of like, and I'm gonna do this little thing, and then... But this time, this time Andy's on board. I yeah. think that's the joke. Like, he's gonna humor it, and that's it. Like, he's on board, they're working together, and scene. Yeah. End of the show. <laughs> Credits. I guess. Mayberry moves forward with the understanding of listening to a noise disturbance is better than performing any emotional labor whatsoever. Like, like, uh... Y- yeah, like, oh, the town isn't quiet, but we've learned that, at, like, the, the moral of the story is like, well, who the fuck wants to talk about their feelings? Let's just, you know, crank up the radio after six. Yeah, and I think it's, I think the prevailing idea is that, you know, this, this idea that, you know, couples are going to fight, and if they're fighting and it's turning violent or abusive, really, really, there really isn't much to do, which just really embodies this idea, again, of secrecy, and then... This idea that if the couple is sort of dealing with it, then that's their issue to deal with and let the professionals handle it, but not really because we're going to diminish what they're actually doing. I mean, it just, it goes around and around in a circle that is somewhat disturbing. I mean, the idea that, that uh, you should, that when you see something like this happening, you should keep your head down and move on is such a fucking like, it, it's one that's so deeply ingrained and, like, pervasive in our society and and has done so much damage because of how, like, how, how, how just, just everywhere it is. How, like, it, it, this is, like, this idea has torn apart so many people's lives and ended so many people's lives that it's so deeply disturbing to see it as, like, the end idea of, like, a, a fucking morality play. Like, this is... This is a fucking like nursery rhyme with the uh with the the end I the the end uh sorry the end moral of keep your head down and your your eyes to yourself and your your mouth shut because you don't want to deal with the consequences of intervening. And I think also too like that bit of like an ethical dilemma like you know you know as the as the town sage as the town sheriff and I guess whatever other role, you know, Andy was playing, it's like, what's my responsibility? Justice of the peace. Right, yeah, like, what's my responsibility? And, you know, there's a duty to protect, you know, that just didn't exist. And, but I will say in terms of, like, the, 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 what was happening in the episode, you know, I will say it wasn't the worst depiction of it, but I, I can see where the little pieces coming together kind of, when you look at all at once and if people are seeing this only as their example and nothing else, the dangerousness of that after the fact, you know, but it's hard to look, it's hard to be retrospective in 2018 
having the knowledge that I have and look at the episode and, and sort of being like, oh, phew. but then realizing that there's a whole generation of people who grew up watching that show and really probably believe that in small towns, these things don't happen. And if they do, it's kind of just an easy pass off, um, which you find in more rural communities and other communities where violence is happening. It's not being reported as often, which is one of the issues that a lot of organizations that are fighting against domestic violence are actually trying to combat. That looks like a pretty good place to go to our ratings for this episode. Sure. Uh, all right. So first up, the the Andy meter. Uh, scale of 1 to 10 Andys. How good do we think this episode is? How much do you actually enjoy this? Uh, I'll go last on this one. Dan, scale of 1 to 10 Andys. Oh, fuck you for making me take this first. Um, <laughs> Christ. I mean, it's for how morally reprehensible it is, it's well written like it's ah, shit um i mean it, it's well written it has like a, a good story structure uh, i i really can't get past how morally reprehensible it is and judge it in terms of like a good episode uh, two it's a two okay uh i'm gonna okay sharon i'm gonna go oh gosh i'm gonna go like three and a half three okay and a half. yeah three and a half so you you did not actually enjoy watching this as it made a mockery of your profession. It made a mockery of your profession. It, it definitely trivialized um, abuse in the home. And, and I use that term a little loosely because both people had sort of equal share in the power dynamic there in the home. And really you see more of that like one-on-one power dynamic. But I, I wouldn't say it was the worst, but it, it definitely wasn't the, it wasn't the easiest to swallow. I'm going to give it a four because like some of those bits really did work for me. And uh, I think like I do have a pretty good tolerance for that mean style humor. Mm. Um, and uh, so some of that stuff like worked for me in spite of how like horrible it is. Um, so, but like none of us are saying that we like this episode that much. Yeah, no. yeah so we're yeah, ranging from like, two to four. Yeah, <laughs> it's like trying to judge an adult swim show where you're like, oh, there's funny bits in something that is overall morally reprehensible. Like, it's 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 a really weird thing to judge in terms of like saying how good it is because there's a lot of like technically really good storytelling that is like all. Like, contributing to something fucking disgusting. Before we move on to the uh, FIFO meter, I want to read this, like, incredibly nitpicky bit from the trivia of the Mayberry Wiki for this episode. Uh, oh, this which, fucking guy. Uh, I think it's going to be a thing that, like, I didn't notice it, but now that I know it exists, I'm going to look for it. This is the first episode that the infamous night filter is used over the camera lens to try to fool viewers into thinking that it's nighttime. They used this filter throughout the black and white episodes anytime they needed to portray a nighttime setting, such as when the fellows went out on dates, etc. That sentence just ends there. Using the night filter allowed them to get away with shooting night scenes in broad daylight. When used in conjunction with turning on headlights and porch lights, etc., they hoped it would pass as nighttime on black and white film, when at best all it did was dim the visibility a little bit. In this episode, as Andy and Barney approach the first front door of the Boone's house, the director is using the night filter and has the porch light turned on, but it's clearly broad daylight. And I, let me let me go ahead and do a different voice. But it's clearly broad daylight, <laughs> and the people's shadows indicate it's about mid morning. <laughs> clearly, I hope someone got fired for that one. <laughs> clearly, there are not that many many 
bars on that xylophone. <laughs> what the shit? Oh my god. That was, great. That was fantastic. We've been making fun of Mayberry Wiki Guy for the longest time. He just got so much sadder. He's so the infamous infamous to who, Mayberry Wiki Guy? Like your living room? Like uh, like but if you know more what? than three people are pissed about this, I will be shocked. Here's the thing, now that I know it exists, I'm gonna look for it. So <laughs> he successfully ruined my life. <laughs> he's he's infected you with his madness. Alright. So FIFOmeter, how like how fucked up, how morally reprehensible is this ep- yeah, how angry are we with this episode? Uh, Dan? Well, it was going to be a nine, but that was before I found out about the night filter thing, so now it's a goddamn twelve. Oh my gosh. Are you, you're <laughs> mad that they tricked you into thinking it was nighttime? I, I can handle everything! God damn it. Yeah. I can handle everything else, can... but you manipulated me into thinking day was night. I can handle domestic abuse. I can handle normalizing horrible behavior. I can handle brainwashing. Think it's night during Dane time? How dare you? My perceptions are not to be fucked with. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay. Calm down. It's, it's a ten. It's another ten. It's another ten. Okay. Like Sharon. Uh, I think I'm gonna be at about five. This is a Bye. this is a common thing. Like every time we bring a guest on this show, it's a common theme that Dan and I, who are just know nothings, are just outraged. And and the guest that we bring on that is actually informed is just like, I see this all the time. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, this is Tuesday. Uh, all right, so Sharon's going with a five. Going with five, yeah. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna land happily between the two of you and say it's a seven for me. All right. All right. So that is this episode that is andy the marriage counselor uh if you want to watch this episode uh, all of these episodes are available in the, in america at least on netflix amazon prime most of them are available on on youtube also it's the internet and the show is 50 years old so <laughs> it's available wherever you look for it do some house cleaning stuff uh as always our music is done by max ludwig you can follow max on the internet on twitter at sleep talkie uh, our artwork was designed by Emily Christina. Uh, you can follow her Instagram at ScribEmily. Once again, you know, always please remember, if you like what we do, please share and subscribe and write a rating or review. If you uh, have opinions on this, please get in touch with us. You can follow us on the internet. You can follow uh, the show. We are on Twitter at BreakMayberry. Not Breaking. There are too many letters. Uh, Facebook.com slash BreakingMayberry. Uh, you can email us, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. We told you to email us, like, Photoshop pictures of uh, Don Knotts a while ago, and no one has taken us up on this. We've not, I feel like that, that's a blessing. We've not gotten any <laughs> fan art since that first episode. Just saying. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds with two Ds. Uh, Sharon? Uh, I actually don't use my Twitter. That's okay. <laughs> Anywhere else that people look at your... Uh, Good job. Yeah. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. It's a horrible place. <laughs> anything else you want to promote? Anything you want people, to, our listeners to go, like... Sure. I mean, if folks are looking for, like, really great information on how to be a bystander or how to just get information about what's happening with domestic violence or intimate partner violence in Philadelphia, you can go to womenagainstabuse.org and that's just all one word smushed together womenagainstabuse.org it's a great resource and a great organization Sharon thank you again for coming on the show thank you you. absolutely great to have you loved Um, it 
Oh, and as always, you can follow Ron Howard uh, at Real Ron Howard, and this time hashtag tweet at Ron Howard. This time, I think you should ask Ron Howard where babies come from. You know, make sure to use hashtag tweet at Ron Howard so that we know it came from us. Other than that, uh, let's see our next episode. Oh, you know what? We're gonna have another guest on next time. Next time, we're finally going back and doing the Christmas episode, uh, which I absolutely love. Uh, so I'm excited for the that. Christmas episode is one of the better Christmas episodes I've actually seen in a TV show, which after how long I've been mad at the Andy Griffith show is going to be such a nice change of pace. Uh, so that's Jeff to look forward to next time. Remember rate review, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Do all of that stuff. Please do share if you like what we're doing here. Uh, cause it does help get us in other people's earbuds. Uh, and thank you to everybody who has like listened and, uh, contacted us so far. Other than that, I think we're about good here. Sharon, thanks again for coming by. Thank you. Uh, and for the rest of you, we'll see y'all down at the fishing hole. episodes which now if i just press the letter l google's just like you want the andy griffith show <laughs> it's like yeah yeah this is what you want you fucking weirdo yeah just 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 take it just take the andy griffith show already we're going to we're going to stop like trying to figure you out you fucked up our entire algorithm <laughs> we're trying to grab information about your goddamn generation to predict what the next fraser is going to be and you're just fucking it all to hell <laughs> You are so angry.